Welcome to Collective Wellness. Here, I am going to show you how to level up your life, feel your absolute best, and optimize your health span and longevity with expert tips. No matter where you fall on the wellness continuum, I'm going to help you feel the absolute best you can using functional medicine principles and addressing all areas of wellness. I'm going to empower you with all of the information you can to get to the root cause. I'm your host, Sophia Deal. I have a background in psychology, functional medicine, nutrition, health span, and longevity. Let's get started. Hey everybody! So today I really want to talk about elimination diets and we're going to dive right in. So I don't know about you, but I keep seeing elimination diets everywhere. It's become this new trendy thing. Um, a lot of people might be trying to do it on their own, but there's so many things to consider and um, so many complexities of this diet that I really want you to understand. Um, an elimination diet, in my opinion, is not something that I would do as a client or a patient by myself. It is so complex, restrictive, it's temporary. And I actually find that a lot of people feel really good towards the end of the diet and want to, they're kind of tempted to continue on, but there are actually some risks associated with continuing to cut out all of the foods. So an elimination diet, so what is that? An elimination diet is kind of this umbrella term for different dietary restrictive patterns that um, one can prescribe to a patient or client in order to really get to the bottom of what a food trigger or food additive trigger is for somebody. So why would we do this? Well. There is an estimated 20% of people in the U.S. that struggle with a food allergy, sensitivity, or intolerance, and this is likely, very likely, grossly under-exaggerated because so many people with a sensitivity or intolerance may not even know that they have a food reaction going on because it can take several hours to several days to even have a reaction. And that's insane because when you think of allergies classically, you think of consuming a little bit of like peanuts, for example, and having this anaphylactic reaction. It's very obvious, very severe, and it's very well known to the person most of the times that they have an allergy because the reaction is just more immediate and it's, it's a lot more pronounced in many cases. Um, but this is not really what we see a lot of the time with intolerance or sensitivities and these are two different things So when we are teasing out different reactions to food I want you to think about two major categories that would be immunological reactions and non-immunological reactions so in layman's terms immune mediated so your immune systems involved or it is not involved and when we think of the um, two reactions to foods that are immune mediated we think of food allergies you think of your immune system getting overactivated, um, or hypersensitivity so food sensitivity um, and when we think of non-immune mediated these are going to be your intolerances so think lactose intolerance um, this could be 
an enzymatic deficiency. People with lactose intolerance don't have the enzyme lactase to break down lactose, which means our digestive system has trouble breaking down lactose. We can also see this with gluten or some other things, but basically intolerances mean that you usually see a reaction within like 30 minutes to two hours, but this isn't always the case. And when we think of sensitivities or intolerances, this can be dose dependent. So let's say you have a gluten sensitivity. Um, if you have a little tiny bit of gluten, um, you may not have a reaction. And another time, if you have more gluten, you may have a reaction. But like I said, it can take several hours to several days to see it. And it also may not be as pronounced of a reaction that you may see in a food allergy. And also something to consider is that the reason you might be reacting to a certain food now and not before because of the state that your gut is in. If you are under a lot of stress, your stomach lining is impacted, there's a lot of inflammation going on, you might see yourself having reactions to food that you may not have when your gut is in a healthy balance. With the food allergies, you can remain sensitized for years and you have these antibodies for life. There is not a on and off switch for the sensitivity. It's a continuum and there's a threshold. So you can have a sensitization, but not always have a symptomatic reaction. So that makes it really complex because as I said, we typically think of it as an immediate reaction and a response all the time. Um, but you may not always have a symptomatic reaction, just depending on your sensitization. Um, so what are some antecedents involved in this um, food allergy? And we might think like, Sophia, like you just have a food allergy or you don't? Like, what do you mean? Well, there are things that can predispose us to food allergies that I think are really important to note. Um, and this can also kind of set us up for when we have a symptomatic reaction or not. So genetics play a big role in the development of food allergies, um, epidermal permeability, the medications we're taking, our exposure to environmental toxins, any nutrient deficiencies we may have, low stomach acid, the state of our immune and gut health, so our microbiota, our stress, and our leaky gut or intestinal permeability. So this is a perfect segue into leaky gut. So leaky gut can predispose us to um, a reaction to food in general. And how is that? So basically we all kind of have like picture like kind of a basket weave. We all kind of have like a slightly, lightly loose intestinal permeability normally because we want to allow certain molecules to pass through our intestines into our systemic circulation. Um, but we want to not allow a certain things such as food, toxins, etc., to pass through our intestines into our bloodstream because that can create a autoimmune response. And this can lead to reactions to foods that we may not even have, let's say, an enzymatic deficiency of or an allergy of, um, but this can create reactions. So um, let's say you had all these reactions to foods as a kid 
that can be because of the state of your gut at the time. So we can have more pronounced reactions when we are in a state of increased intestinal permeability um, when we have leaky gut. So what causes leaky gut? So many different things can contribute. Um, basically, we have dysbiosis that can be triggered from alcohol, additives, um, high fat diet, high sugar diet, intense exercise, zinc deficiency, antibiotic use, TBIs, night shift work that can shift our circadian rhythm, oral contraceptives, chronic constipation, low stomach acid, autoimmune disease, food allergies, NSAIDs, stress, sleep apnea, etc. There are so many different things. This can disrupt our microbiome and cause what we call dysbiosis and this can lead to the loosening of our gut basically our tight junctions which hold together um the intestines and the mucosa and kind of keep things from falling through this basket weave um and one thing that we have found in studies to loosen up the tight junctions is gluten um i will dive way deeper into gluten in a different episode because there's just so much to unpack um and so many different opinions as well. So I really want to be able to give you guys kind of like both sides of the story, both sides of the argument for or against gluten um, that works for you personally because everything is personal to you and your unique body. Um, but I'll get into that another time. So um, our environment, as I said, can increase sensitization or threshold and therefore the symptomatic reaction is critically important. Um, and it's found that 20% of people have sensitization in um, certain studies. And allergens in its own are mediators of this intestinal permeability. Um, when we are exposed to allergens, especially chronically, we have these inflammatory mediators that our body releases. And this inflammation coming from anything, just I'm using allergies as an example here, can fray the tight junctions of your gut. So this can, um, this, this intestinal permeability can increase the risk of food allergic reactions. Um, and also something else that can cause this increased response is um, PPIs, anti-ulcer meds. This decreases the acidity of our stomach, which increases intestinal permeability and can increase an allergic tendency by tenfold. So that's something to think about. And um, over time, we are seeing that there are more allergies every year. So we can really, really just take this data and think about what are we doing? What is causing this? There are an increasing number of people with allergies. It has a lifestyle component. There is no doubt about it. And I'm, I've explained that. So what are the treatments for allergies? Um, the gold standard is the elimination diet with a double blind oral food challenge. And that is not something that we do in real life. Um, this is something we do in a research setting. It's time consuming. It's risky. Um, it's not well utilized. And it is absolutely not used in a clinical practice. And another one that is used is the skin prick test. So we might think of that, um, as I said, with allergies. Like, I think a lot of people know about the skin prick test for allergies. 
Um, it has a high sensitivity, but it's lower. It has a lower specificity, and it also may not be appropriate with certain medications like steroids, antihistamines, um, and if you have significant dermatitis or high risk of anaphylaxis, this may not be appropriate for you. Um, so, the skin prick test isn't always something that we can utilize for allergies. Um, and there is a, um, it's very trendy right now, these food sensitivity, food allergy, food intolerance tests. Um, and basically it's useful, but it's not diagnostic. At least at this time, we do not believe it's diagnostic. Um, it doesn't always correlate with a clinical response. And um, when there's a positive for the IgE, which is what we're testing for, it can suggest intestinal permeability. So that could be useful to know. Um, but it also, like low grade findings may also be significant. So that's useful. You can always do this test and um, have a dietitian or other healthcare professional um, look, look at the results for baseline. And you could do an elimination diet and follow up and do another one just to kind of see what's going on to see if the results are accurate or useful for you. Um, so that's always an option for you. Um, I definitely think seeing someone, if you think you might have a reaction, you may not be exactly sure. It can be extremely detrimental to your body. It can cause this intestinal permeability, which causes inflammation cascade, which can cause chronic disease. Just definitely do not underestimate removing or at least like limiting certain things that might be causing you a food reaction. If there are times that you could see yourself wanting to consume gluten, for example, if that's a cause of a sensitivity reaction for you, then you can talk with a dietitian or other healthcare provider about some tips that you can do to manage your symptoms if you want to indulge every once in a while, like at a holiday or for like a birthday or something, but definitely plan ahead, be intentional about it, have some useful therapies that you can integrate into your life. There are some supplements you can take um, and just think about it and be a little bit more mindful. But if you can eliminate the foods that are causing you triggers, don't underestimate the power of that. But I think an elimination diet is so great because you're really getting informed about your body and what's causing issues. So what are the therapeutic options conventionally for allergies? Um, usually conventional doctors will say like avoiding completely or getting an allergy shot. Some, some new therapeutic options um, that have emerged is SLIT. I, I think people maybe say slit. I don't know. Um, but it gradually desensitizes your immune reaction to these allergens. So it's like you work with a allergist and they will prescribe these drops to slowly like desensitize your body to the trigger. Um, I actually have a cousin that does this. She loves it. I think it's working for her. So that could be really great. Um, and I think that's more of like a long-term solution. And also addressing any underlying intestinal permeability and also addressing your microbiome are very key as well. Um, we don't want to live our entire life constantly triggering this inflammatory cascade and triggering all these issues. It's miserable and it also can be very harmful. 
something that I think is really key to mention is that this IgG antibody that is produced from our exposure to food that causes hypersensitivity, it can cross the placenta. So when you're consuming foods that may be causing an adverse reaction, it can be going into the environment of the baby and that's not great. So this is really a key. Something that's so crazy is that are the half-life of the IgG antibody is 21 to 23 days. So it takes 21 to 23 days to have half of it out of your body. So when you're doing an elimination diet, it should at least be three weeks of the elimination phase to decrease it by half. And we're finding that if you can decrease it to half, then you could get um, the results that you like in the reintroduction phase. Um, And when I say like, I mean, we don't want a reaction, but in this case we kind of do because we want to be able to tell what's causing the issue. So if we want to actually see what's causing an issue, it at least has to be three weeks. Some people even argue four weeks. I would also argue doing six weeks if you're seeing skin reactions because it takes six weeks for the skin to cycle. So let's talk about sensitivity testing. There's been a good amount of support and research for these IgG tests, um, and I'm going to break them up into specific conditions for which they were um, utilized for. So for migraines, for example, um, there was a good amount of support for use of IgG tests for migraines, um, and also in studies for migraines and IBS. So... With migraines, leaky gut can lead to something we call leaky brain. There's a gut-brain connection. It's called the gut-brain axis. Um, So addressing gut health can address brain health and vice versa. Leaky gut can cause this inflammation, which can cause these migraines. That's one of the causes or potential causes. So using the IgG test and utilizing the results and eliminating the foods that it it triggers and and identifies can be very helpful for reducing migraines, which is really good news. And also the same findings for IBS. Some of the issues with testing is that there's inner lab variation. So if you do a test somewhere and then you do it somewhere else, basically like if you're doing a baseline test, you eliminate the foods and then you do a test to see if it's working basically, um, your elimination, there might be variations. So if you're doing a baseline and follow-up test, just try to do it at the same place um, just to try to get accurate results. There can also be medication interference, so keep that in mind if you're doing tests. Something that's like literally like clinical pearl right here. It doesn't matter the antibody level of the food that the IgG test identifies because it has not been found to correlate with clinical symptomatology. So if you have a low like reaction to a food in your IgD test, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's not causing you the degree of symptoms that you're experiencing. If, it's, if your test also shows that you're reacting to a lot of foods, consider a potential intestinal permeability and treat that as well with a registered dietitian or um, other healthcare provider because you may not even be having like, you may not have a permanent like sensitivity to this food. You may find that it could just be because these food molecules are passing your system and causing this reaction. 
So it's really helpful to do an elimination diet for at least, let's say, three to four weeks, as I said, and assess improvements. Um, and also just do kind of like a gut healing protocol with an RD or other professional um, to treat any underlying issues and then do a follow-up test to see if it addressed these triggers. Um, you may not need to avoid something forever.